1: Hello everyone, Sarah here, welcome back to Two Cents. Just a short disclaimer before we start this week's episode, a small chunk of our recording's been lost this week, so we're bringing you a shorter but still mighty episode, and we hope you enjoy.
2: I've got to say guys, I've got a whopper today, but I feel like Sarah might know it already.
1: I don't know, I can't even take a guess.
3: So I'm just going to do something, um, but I'd like to give a shout out to Nozap. N-U-Z-H-A-T And um, Nazak is in Melbourne And she listens to our podcast Hi.
2: Hello Nuzak
3: She messaged one of my friends And um, she was like Oh my god I just noticed Selena Bakar follows you from the Malia podcast And I still find it really interesting That when people talk about us They talk about us with our surname Selina Bakar I'm like "Yeah, oh yeah that's me Bacar. And also it made me realise we're so UK, we're quite we're we're from the UK, right? All of us, so we're quite. I'm not even gonna say we're UK, well, I don't even
2: say UK, save London because the way we're London, I
3: was about to say we are so London centric, but alhamdulillah, we have people like I was talking to a sister in Malaysia the other day, and she like, she listens to the podcast. I'm like, okay, maybe we need to be a bit more worldly.
2: (laughs) Well, Peter Shalou is less include Birmingham.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, I lived in Leicester. Yeah. Oh, and- she's been that person. <laughs>
1: I lived in Esther.
3: <laughs> I wasn't even mean? born in this country. Oh, whatever, here we go. <laughs> um,
2: I've actually got a lovely tweet that someone tweeted. Well, it was a DM actually. Someone said, As-salamu I just wanted to tell you that I converted to Islam at the beginning of the year and Amalia has been one of the most amazing resources for me as a new baby Muslim. I've been binging Two Cents and loving every episode. Thank you so much for your work.
3: Oh, salamu alaikum sister. Welcome to Islam.
2: Welcome <laughs> I know, to the communities. Another one from Yasmin Akhtar. And she said, every Eid, I normally buy a bouquet of flowers for our table. After listening to the Malia Tweets podcast, where they spoke about the environmental impacts of flowers, I'm confuddled. Do ethical, carbon neutral flower bouquets
3: exist? So because of that post, I was like, oh my God, this is distressing out." A day before Eve, I created content and I was like, four ethical gifts to make. And one of them was foraging foliage and grass. <laughs> and as I was writing it, I was like, no one wants a grass, a, a, a variety, varied, multiple grass bouquet.
1: That's how they used to do it in the olden days. And it looks exactly. very nice in movies.
3: Exactly.
2: And so. I've got one more to read. Sounded like a radio show now. Shout out. Text 5601 to get your message in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke,
3: everybody. Hafsa at
2: hello half. And I believe oh, she lives somewhere yes. really far. Not really far, but it's not in the UK. I want to say oh, Tanzania. Look. What are you saying, really far? What's really far? No, I want to say Tanzania, I think. But, you know. So she tweeted, and I think this was Sarah, the episode we talk about. Um, finding yourself and she said there's a time in your life you keep searching for signs when you're unsure of which path to take and wow at Marlia Tweet's latest two cents podcast was what I didn't know I needed
1: oh I, I wish like. it worked for me <laughs> right should we get started right everybody let me do my intro Shall should I do it in an accent or shall I do it normally
3: I would do, it do accent every, accent, se- I every
2: sentence in a different accent okay <clears throat> oh my god this is actually
1: okay. a bit viral now you you know what there's too much pressure immediately and i can not have it anymore <laughs> hello everyone welcome back to two cents if you've listened to one of our episodes before you know it will go like this each of us bring two Subjects that are overrated and two subjects that are underrated And bring them to the virtual roundtable To debate and unpack and leave for our listeners to do the same um, So let's get started Who is going first?
3: I'd just like to say thank you to our studio audience today uh, Where there will be some <laughs> No, i joking I just wanted to say that. I don't mind going first Right. Oh, that's do not <laughs> want our like... podcast up <laughs> If he's just always like, I don't mind going first It's okay
2: So my first overrated is so I'm going to get a little audience participation here. When I say women's clothes... Do you just clothes, mean me and Sarah? <laughs> when I say women's
3: clothes
1: and yeah. pockets, yeah. what do you think? They can be the absolute deal breaker of an entire outfit and are really useful depending on the size. Like, who is.
3: actually puts their hands in their breast pockets? <laughs> like, what? What? What is that? What is that? What is that? <laughs> Well, the the card, isn't it? And they're tiny. It's like you can only put, like, one finger in to try and take, like, one coin
1: out. Can I say, yeah, so they were, like, they're an unnecessary, ex, like, accessory to an outfit. Me, personally. And if they... Do you know the history so, of pockets, so, are so, Like, when you yeah. have, like, a denim shirt. if you If you want the aesthetic of a pocket, I get it. I understand. You want to break it up. Yeah. But you don't actually have to make an extra piece of flappy fabric. Yeah. That ruins yeah i it. don't
3: understand pockets you know when you're shopping yeah and you come across the top or whatever and you're like oh, it's got pockets you know i'm gonna even bypass the ugly print the fact that it's got pockets
1: i'm gonna get this that will be my deal breaker. and then and then you try to put your hand in the pocket and it's it's sewed up oh. and it's not a real pocket <laughs> so Wait, but don't just you. know take up one thingy oh sorry i was really absurd. no you like, can you it can it cut them
3: it. open but some of them are not hmm
1: so obviously
2: pockets are a big contentious area in women's clothing you know we've all said to that person i love your dress and they go it's got pockets right as <laughs> like a badge of honor and so my overrated
3: is I'm actually recalling every conversation where i'm like love your outfit and uh, someone's done that and can't. it's got pockets <laughs> <laughs>
2: um so let me just phrase this rightly. You know what I love um,
3: is how it proceeds then up with a, like, a pocket cat show. Cat show <laughs> where everyone's like, look at the pocket."
2: So my overrated is the reason why women's clothes don't have pockets and the politics of pockets. Because, and I'm going to give you a little history lesson here, guys. So pockets used to be really huge for women. To the point where they would have food in them, writing <laughs> tools in them, sewing equipments in them, <laughs> like you'd store food in your pocket to eat later while you're out and about. So actually the, the, where I got all my information from was some articles and a podcast and the podcast is called Articles of Interest and every week they go through a different clothing item and talk about like the history of it and it's so fascinating so they've got one on wedding dresses diamonds hawaiian shirts and there was a whole episode on pockets and basically they position this idea of pocket privilege and what they talk about is so back in the day you know how you've seen those like portrait photos of women with like huge dresses tiny waist yeah yeah So those dresses would have slits in them through like their petticoat to get to their pocket. Because back in the day, pockets... That's why in the movies? Yeah, they've got the slits to reach in. So back in the day, pockets weren't actually part of a garment. They were an accessory in themselves. They were like a belt. And so you'd have the belt and they were huge. They were like this big. So they were called
1: a bag of pockets
2: well they were pockets there were two pockets and they would be like embellished beautifully they'd be like amazingly made even like in the newspaper they'd be like oh we've lost a pocket there's a um there's a reward for whoever returns it it's got one silver pin in blah, blah 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 all these things right so the story goes that with the french revolution it was all about fighting excess um and so all these clothes became a lot more form-fitting and so when you have these really form-fitting clothes you don't have space for for pockets because they'll make it bulky and it's this whole idea of also what a woman's silhouette should look like right and um so pockets all, all also kind of became politicized because some people, women fought for pocket equality, whereas fashion were like, no, we're sorry." Sorry, not. can you just repeat that again? Pocket. So people were fighting for pocket equality because what fashion was saying is you're now going to carry a small little bag for all your things. But then other people were saying, no, we want our pockets. And it's, it's actually quite unclear why pockets were just like, gone from these huge big things to these tiny things and there's like conspiracy theories of like forcing women to have to buy handbags or having to rely on women to carry men's stuff and (laughs) um but also part of it was that um like many items of women's clothings Um, one of the things was that pockets were made out to be for housewives who needed to lug around sewing kits and food and all these things. And so fashion magazines were actually saying that it's liberating not to have pockets because it means you're free from tasks. You're free from not having to lug around your house, basically, while you're going out and about. And um, so then, yeah, they they totally took on a different idea. And then also what ended up happening is basically patterns for men which had big pockets were scaled down to size for women and that's why you get stupid small not form-fitting practical pockets
3: so those pockets were symbolic
2: (coughs) they were just they were just like incorporated into the pattern and the podcast goes even further and she says pockets are like a metaphor for privilege because they are taken for granted by those that have them right and there is and pocket disparity is a construct like there's no need for women's pockets to be this small and she also talks about historically like these pockets would be the way that people would carry the tools that they need in day-to-day life right and she was like historically it's men that have been the ones With the tools for public life. And so pocket having pockets is also about preparedness and the ability to get around in day-to-day life with what you need. And there's also an intimate nature of pockets, right? Of like no one knows what's in your pocket, but everyone knows that you're carrying a handbag. And so pocket is like internal to you, whereas a bag is external, and pocket is your own territory and your own, like you you know what you're carrying. (laughs) and so I just felt like I really needed to bring this to the podcast because my mind was blown and also I've I am someone who since like 2014-15 I stopped using handbags because I just thought they were stupid and after this pocket revolution where these small bags came into play people were like taking the mick and they're like oh look at that you, you're stupid you have to like carry this little bag around now rather than having pockets
1: everything is deep and meaningful
3: you know what um it takes me back to you now you know um back home i would know, all my sentences are so back home but back home, um, a lot of the women wear saris or salakamis, or they'll have not a hijab but urna. So, like you know, the with the salwakamis, you have just the the Scott. piece of cloth, yeah. And so many times, like when I've been like at auntie's house or we like go door to door and stuff, you'll see someone put out their fabric and be like, "Oh, give me some." Yeah. And they literally take like a like a couple of I don't know what the measurements are, but a kilo of rice in their sari they'd tie, gather it up and tie it up and then they'd take the fruit the rice the dal, the whatever it was or they'll literally have like they'd make a little pocket out of their sari is- and it's just yeah it's a, even till this day like you see it like my grandma will be like oh and she'll open like this little knot yeah, like, her, like, her little pan in it or something like that okay. <laughs> um yeah yeah untie the knot and like like little things like that even i do like people will like tie their keys to their piece of to their sorry and stuff like that but um i went on a walk this morning and what i've realized when the world is on the cusp of some pivotal change whether it be environmental um whether it be you know revolutions etc it seems to be that it is women at the forefront who Mm. are basically pointed out and like you you woman have have to change this you have to change this and you have to change that And literally I walked out the park and I saw this massive tanker and it says uh, wet wipes do not flush down the toilet. I know wipes are bad for the environment, but like I literally feel like I'm bombarded with, I'm a mum, I'm not that anyone knows that, but um, I'm a mum, I have periods um, and it's literally like the wipes that you use for your kids are wrong, the pads that you put Uh, on for your periods are wrong the tampons that you use are wrong you need to change things and I'm just telling them like where is all this marketing to men and Mm -hmm. I'm like they use disposable razors they use things that are like disposable and like do you know what I mean that actually there, there could be some marketing around that but it's literally always all always us who are at the forefront of having to compromise and give up our pockets literally so I totally resonate and get that whole kind of analogy of this is a metaphor for something bigger and Mm. it is yes everything is that deep
1: just on that point of um that pivotal change happening around the french revolution and it was designed to fight excess did she go into that like what that excess was no
2: she just she just spoke about how like before that you you would have seen those portraits of women in these huge dresses and gowns and then Mm during that french revolution it all got downsized into these silhouettes and like more form-fitting clothes and less
3: yeah so that 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 would resonate back to like even things like um you know not having being able to afford as much fabric the labor that goes with making all of this clothing um yeah lots of maybe even the imports of things like sewing machines etc etc
2: and also also it speaks to like you know stuff like heels stuff like those big huge dresses it speaks to like there's to to be in heels all the time you're not moving very fast there's not much you need to do do you know what I mean yeah and same with like those huge dresses you can't go about doing day-to-day work and tasks in that so it speaks to like a a change
1: in what what is expected from us day to day I feel like what's expected from us day to day like the whole function of pockets now is probably it's more of that design feature to highlight the woman's silhouette, like less functional, which would go into like that whole conversation about. Because I know that when I worked, I don't know if I'll include this, when I worked at Diesel, like one of my first jobs, oh, Diesel. I had to learn the history of jeans, yeah, you know, which is like I two hours long or whatever. And they were saying that the entire, like, because women's jeans are completely different from men. And like the entire placement of pockets and the yoke and everything is designed to like highlight women's. Like, but oh. lift them up, shape yeah. them in a certain way. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There, and there, there you go. Even, even when there are functional pockets, it's still with the view yeah. of how do we make a woman look, look a certain yeah. way? How do you sexualise
3: them? It? Yeah, have um, like,
2: you seen those tiny bags in fashion? Like
3: yeah. tiny, tiny bags. Tiny bags.
2: <laughs> Lizzo's like I, Yeah like, like ridiculously tiny Like you could just fit Like two pound coins phone. In
3: the keys not yeah, yeah not even, even your phone Some yeah. of them are
2: so small For your phone Keep And I'm stick. like Actually they've come Full circle From that moment there And yeah. actually I, I think in a lot of ways That tiny bag now Is also Like for me People saying like We don't need these big I remember You said, you know like When you were at Sixth form And stuff you have this Big ass bag With your folders And shit <laughs> Like what was do you know, what you literally was,
3: see these little kids that look like tortoises with like their whole on their back With they
2: <coughs> water right? So that was my first one. My second, overrated, is um, writing your year off, writing 2020 off. I'm seeing a lot of stuff around, like, oh, you know. I'm looking at 2021 now this year's been mad it's dead it's this this that it's like yes okay it's been a crazy year even within that this time that's been crazy even you being able to get through the pandemic you getting you know just doing your basic things and living life is still like you've had a good year in the context of what's happened and I think also there's a thing around it's also okay to say you've also flourished in the pandemic and I think I've had this thing where like I'll have a meeting with someone like professionally and they'll be like oh how have you been has a and I get it like they're you know everyone's aware that everyone's been sensitive yeah everyone's been sensitive but in a nice way yeah I feel like I then take that on and feel like I need it's really to hard yeah 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 I feel like I then take have to like take on this narrative of like yeah you know I've just been really struggling but you know I haven't seen it. my family yeah but I'm like actually I'm allowed to say I've really flourished in lockdown I've really enjoyed it I've had alhamdulillah, a really good 2020 so far despite mm. what's been going on and of course like it could have I'm, I'm talking in relative to the fact that we've been in lockdown and in a pandemic right and I just think <clears throat> don't Like we're halfway through the year, you know, September to December is still a very long time. So don't write your year off, don't write yourself off and, you know, just reset your intentions, rethink, you know, what can I, what, what do I want to see? At the end of this year And it might be something small It might be something big Like and just set your goals And your intentions And, and take some time to reset So that that is my second overrated that You know is- what
3: There's been a lot of memes going around About like um, If anyone wants to join me 2021 We're leaving now And all of this t- sort of stuff And I've totally like I've blocked all of that type of content out And like a lot of people saying on Twitter Oh 2020 is over These are the goals I had And I'm just like Sometimes, actually, as like you know, when you're planning your life, you also have to plan for real time, real events like things happen where then you have to actually assess and change your goals. Like, I was literally saying to friends, like, you know, January, I had all these hopes, these goals, etc., and you know, three months down the line, those changed a little bit. Actually, I didn't want to pursue a course in botany or you know, whatever it was, I just want to keep liking my plants, and that's it. And I think someone who's successful is someone who reviews and reiterates what the plan is. I think if you're actually like, right, this is what I have to do, which is good, like you need to have focus, right? But you also have to be realistic and take in, like, you know, sometimes we set these goals, like I'm going to learn Japanese on my walks in a month. Perhaps your brain isn't wired that way, where actually it's going to take you a bit longer. Or you learn it in two weeks. And then you have to change your goals. And I just, for me, like with pandemic, yeah, lots of different things happened, lots of different things came out. But it's not like, a piece a segment of my life that I'm gonna like take away it's this is all life this is all still part of my life Mm. and I've just really ignored all of that sort of content yes it has been very hard it's been it's been extremely unique circumstances even for me like there have been moments where I've really faltered and fallen Mm. um but all because I've fallen it doesn't mean I'm gonna like be like oh can we just like uh just blank that bit out of my life it's it's part of it I think there's a
2: difference with for me between writing off the rest of your year year, Mm. and saying the rest of the year I'm taking it easy and I'm not putting any expectations on myself like that's two different narratives to tell yourself Mm. and Mm. I just think the former one of writing it off and just like basically being like right I'm just going to wait for January because the reality is like you're going to build your expectation up for 2021 and then what if that's not the year that you you know what if something else happens you know you're just constantly waiting for that perfect environment that perfect space to be able to flourish and thrive and the reality is that you have to meet life where it is at for you to thrive you can't wait for life to change before you
3: flourish and that's just the message that I want to tell to the people you know what we've we've spoken about this on the podcast before where we've talked about people waiting for the right conditions the right time the right conditions for to execute x or do whatever it is it's it's not gonna it's not coming Mm. It is now, you know. I mean, mm. of course, there are certain things where you need certain variables. For me to grow my crops, obviously, it'd be silly for me to plant at a certain time of the year, right? But there's, you, yeah, there's ways to do it. It means I have to plant indoors.
1: Um, I would love to comment on this, but I've also got something very similar lined up for my overrated. Should so <laughs> we like, seamlessly move into Seamlessly transition from 2020 and meeting life where it's at into my overrated, which is that your twenties are supposed to be the best years of your life.
3: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's overrated that the 20s are the best part of your
1: life yeah it's overrated that your 20s are, the, are supposed to be the best years of your life Shiloh
2: we'd like to interview you after as someone who's past the 20s yes
1: so I did want to crowdsource actually from <laughs> um you guys yeah so I was just having this little thing because I'm it's my birthday in about a month and we like obviously like the way that I understand birthdays anyways that as much as I would like to not like have it as a some kind of landmark about like where we all are we all kind of fall into that trap of like what have I done up until this point what have I achieved what have I got on my roster like should I be where I'm at blah 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 and so I was reflecting on this like bigger question of like why do I feel like I have to have all of my ish together in my 20s and so like I did a little bit of googling around because like that's what I do when I've got a question and it's just this general love to
2: see your google history so I,
1: I <laughs> the general messaging around like being in your 20s is that it's supposed to be like the best years of your life where you're at your prime in terms of your youth and your like health and things like this and and then you also have to at, simultaneously like live your best life but also grind really hard so your 30s are like and your 40s are like Fet. you've got no problems like you've got your house you've got your savings you've got your relationship you've got this this and this and so i i did just kind of want to like hash it out and talk about it but and like crowdsource like your experiences as well I I do think it's overrated at any age to have such a sheer amount of pressure on you to have your stuff together or to be a certain way and at the same time I do see it as the foundation for a life worth living like we have a lot to contend with here like things like having savings or having somewhere to live or having a stable relationship do factor in for us because our society is geared that way right and if you don't have any of those things on your roster you're kind of outcasted in a way and um at the same time I still feel like we are definitely priming ourselves so um priming ourselves for priming ourselves in in terms of our like knowledge in terms of our confidence. Like these things do take time. They take time to nurture. I don't have to be 40 years old or 50 years old to know that some of these cliches are true because I can feel them happening in my own personal transition that like as you get older you do start to care less about what other people think. If you know you're taking the right step. But some of these things take a little bit longer for some people than others. I I knew people in my early twenties who had that like Mm. sorted. Um I had and now I'm like, I'm in, in my later 20s and I'm, you know, just obviously reflecting on like, what do I have, you know, in this tick box that millennials seem to like, you know, strive for. And then I was reading all of these like, so these are like some of the headlines when I Google search it, right? Um, what was the set? Your 20s are overrated. <laughs> like a statement, it wasn't a question. Um, so there's obviously a Reddit rant, which I didn't. I didn't read but things to start doing in your 20s so you don't re- regret uh, your life later okay so that's like the general messaging 12 life lessons you've hopefully learned by your 20s it's all of this stuff like quickly like make sure you, you know get... what
3: this sort of content is the exact type of content I never read
1: oh, it...
3: I don't read it for a reason i've never really from now looking back like i've never really followed or or liked to hear about all of these norms of by the age of 18 you need to do this, by the age 20 you need to do that. By the, I think because I, I, I saw like, I don't know, I just saw people like achieving and growing like at different times and rates oh, okay. and it's because we're all different, right? And we all have different experiences. Um, and I think there's a lot where actually we need to block out and question um, and it was something I shared on my Instagram like why is something that way? Why do you believe it to be that way? Why have we heard so much of by twenty seven you have to have this yeah. figured out you know there's this immense pressure on women like by the time they're 30 they need to have like had a kid or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then like it's it's why do these constructs exist? why do these opinions from society who is society mm-hmm. exist like and we talk about this immense pressure. Mm-hmm. And obviously I can totally understand if it's a tangible pressure where you've got family, friends, immediate community, like on your case, like, oh, when are you going to get a proper job and settle down, when are you going to get married and settle down and all of this different stuff. But I think there comes a point where you do have to block that noise out. I mean, my 20s, I will fully say, like, I was discovering myself, you know, just really making a lot of mistakes. But it was still a, a time where I learnt a lot. I think if I was in that time right now, I'd be like, well, I'm, not mi- mi- I'm not making any milestones, I'm not ticking any boxes, but it's only now looking back where I'm like, actually, they were my formative years, yeah. but perhaps not in a traditional sense, yeah. or how society views it. Why do I say society? <laughs> society views it.
1: Yeah, I guess it's that like larger thing of are we all just in this homogenous carbon copy conveyor belt capitalist machine, really? Essentially, that's what is it when you're looking at the kind of messaging around being in your 20s and the fact that it's all like money driven, money orientated, and it's all like about acquiring it does make you feel like you're just part of that system. And There's not really that much room for individuality or like discovering yourself or whatever. And I know that definitely like people do it, mm. but I suppose it's just the stigma around it. I'm on no one to like sit and advise, blah, blah, blah. But I suppose that like comes back to that thing of meet life where it's at. So it directly flows on from what you were saying that we all have our own individual journeys. We all have our own individual trials. We all come from different places and different experiences. So we're not all primed to have a house in our mid twenties. And we're not all primed to have a relationship in our late twenties and things like that. Um, it's just we're having that like real me way and that real room for yourself to be able to grow and live your life essentially that's what you're supposed to do with it
2: I feel like I not that I know I have but I, not that I not that I noticed just to have but I just feel like I ha- haven't taken on that pressure of the, what is expected of your 20s mm. and so like in many mm. ways when you were talking Sarah, I was like I I obviously I understand this out there but I just I didn't resonate in that sense because I just, what's your
3: look? I was going to say, well, I definitely failed all of those tick boxes (sighs) and not because I failed at my 20s, but because I was living 20s on on my terms, in my way. Um, And uh, you know what? I didn't have any goals apart from work really hard, (laughs) climb the ladder really hard, have fun really hard with all the money that I made and party really hard. Like that was, my mind was literally like work hard, play hard when the river island new season dropped by those bad clothes from river island do you know what i mean
2: yeah i, I think for, yeah i think for me it's it's also like i i do think like from oh i do think for my 20s like i have loved my 20s alhamdulillah and i think for me it's just because i see so much growth in my 20s and for me it makes me excited of like okay what will happen in my 30s when I know more inshallah and I, I can you know I feel like you know you're for me growth is something that gives me like a real buzz and growth outside of what you're talking about because I definitely don't own my own house I definitely don't have all like those tick boxes that you're talking about but I recognize that I also am someone who I, I am a high achiever I like to achieve things and, and that is something that like I found what makes me tick what I want to achieve what I want my goals to be for me, it's about me acknowledging what has happened in my life and what, what is noteworthy in my life outside of those structured achievements that people would maybe write. Oh, this year I got married. This year I bought a
3: car. This year I or whatever it is, or I got a promotion and blah blah blah. And I'm also I, I call that the society list. And the society yeah, and that, list long term ain't going to do nothing for you.
2: I mean it 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 will if you've got a house and a marriage and a car and it and this is the thing of course I just think like for me I hope that like every decade for me is just a marker of growth and things like that and I I think I'm I'm focused less on the outcomes of that list that I'm gonna obtain Mm -hmm. and more about do I feel different as a person? And I almost Mm. feel like I I owe that to myself. Like I owe it to myself to work on myself regardless of the decade and and make it a great decade for me.
3: Mm. I think what you just said is um, the anchor to this all. It's do I feel different? Because the thing is you can meet these milestones that...
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
3: you know yes it would be wonderful if I owned my own house or whatever the other um society list is um I'm sure they would feel like they would be their achievements in themselves right but it's really like how do you feel at the end of it mm. does it and I think that's pivotal because I'm sure we've all had like certain like uh things that we want to achieve and then when it's done it doesn't feel like it doesn't mm. it didn't feed you feel you in any single way and then you question and and go back to like why why was that on my list why was there so much around me wanting to achieve that you know Mm. yeah and I
2: I think if you don't know why you want to achieve those things that's where you're you're left with this like empty list that you're not quite sure why who even planted it that you need it Mm. and for me the way I think about goals is like say even if you do want to own your own house is also thinking about who's the person I need to become to get there so you might say actually the person I need to become is I need to be more disciplined with my spending the person I need to become is I need to push myself in my career to get to x y and z and for me that that way of thinking is more fruitful for my life personally because it's less about the outcome it's about if I become this person
1: all these other things will follow it anyway I think it's also um, useful maybe to come from this perspective just I've just been thinking while you guys were talking that like sometimes like your 20s aren't defined by the Mm. outcomes right yeah yeah um, Mm. yeah absolutely I I think it's this thing of like if you are not in that place where maybe you're not achieving anything maybe the 20s are like and I think this pertains more to that idea of like the the messaging around your 20s being the best years of your life right maybe you know being years of growth or being happy or enjoying your youth and there are so many people that don't have that opportunity maybe because they're transitioning from like you know your 20s essentially is where you're like figuring out what your adulthood looks like for you and for some they have like a bunch of obstacles in the way of that they've got nothing to do with them and they spend the rest of their 20s miserable sometimes hormones like kick in and completely hijack the, the, the majority of their their youth right mm-hmm. um it can you know be the precursor to um difficulties like depression and anxiety that really takes over that entire decade of their lives and the messaging around your 20s it, it being that those prime years or those years that you're working for something and you have an inability to change or you are just lost you don't know what you want in life and so you can't like you just said mm-hmm. like, don't know what it is that you're supposed to be achieving and what that meaning is supposed to have for you and I suppose that it for me coming from that perspective of like you have every decade of your life as long as, as, long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets you, gives you live on this earth yeah. and that every decade has its own um, like, barakah. barakah, exactly just like yeah. the prophets, all the prophets peace be upon them were primed their whole lives to receive a revelation from God, like the most sacred of things in their 40s yeah. so,
2: I remember even uh, going to a halakha where they were talking about how um, shepherding was, was something that the prophets were, were given as like a training mm. and like you know they are your responsibility you have to lead them it's challenging you're you're you know you're you're looking after this flock in the same way as a prophet you are like leading these people mm. it also is it, it requires a lot of sol- loneliness and solitude like it's a solo thing mm. and you know you could imagine like you know while they were a shepherd they were just a, another shepherd yeah. do you know what i mean they no one probably thought they were extraordinary one thing they were just a shepherd looking after a flock right but that was the thing that they needed to do in that decade or that time and that period of their life Mm. and I think that's what it is it's just and I bet some of them shepherd
3: badly you know
2: and And that that's the lessons that that they needed and I think you know for me it's it's for me a lot of it is about like making sure that I can tell myself that I'm doing the work now so i'm not facing repercussions later of what i could have been doing now and mm. it's again it's meeting myself where i'm at mm. to like incrementally get better basically. and like
1: know where your capacities are and so like yeah. that the whole thing of like comparison is the thief, thief of joy is something that plagues 20 year olds as a as she almost knows. as almost a fact
2: I was scrolling through Instagram I think on Friday yeah and I was just like this stuff doesn't really get to me anymore and I can say that like wholeheartedly Mm. but every post was like someone in a lavender field someone on a beach someone on their staycation someone with like amazing plants someone like there was like this this like everyone was was doing this like I'm living my best life post-lockdown. I'm I'm on a, you know photo shoot on a beach or whatever, and I, I'm I'm not hating on that, right? Everyone's living their life. It's been a hard, hard you know lockdown life, and you know go go to the beach, have joy. go yeah, have joy, do all of that but i i i just was looking at it from the perspective of if i wasn't in a good place mm. i would really struggle with this i'd really struggle about all these beautiful people in beautiful spaces taking beautiful pictures and having a beautiful life you know mm. and i it made me think that like if you are someone who you're really resonating with what I'm saying and you're scrolling through your Instagram and you are feeling shit because everyone's got this beautiful life that you feel like you don't have. Take yourself out. Because no. honestly, like, it, what, what, until you get to a point where you can look at images like that and you're like, wow, that's nice. Yeah. Do you know? And that's yeah. that. <laughs> Isn't she having a nice time? She looks wonderful. But I was, it was fascinating to see,
1: man. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think
3: when you, if you, if you have a nature where, Uh, you're going to compare and and, and it's going to make you feel low. And I'm sure we're all human beings, so there's an element of it in everyone. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I go on it and I never feel like that. But I definitely am conscious that when I go on social media, knowing that I post... 10% of my life. I tell you about my plants. Nafisa will tell you, I have like a corner of the garden where I have a lot of neglected plants. I'm not out here showing you neglected plants. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it, like this is probably going off on a tangent a slight, but the thing is the reason I think a lot of us show the highlight reel is because I guess we all want to be inspired and Mm -hmm. we want to inspire as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also being um, awake and understanding why this is, social media is being constructed in such a way. Mm. Like if I only showed you dead plants, dead plants and me not tending and neglecting to my plants, like I'm not really putting a lot of baraka or goodness out there mm. either. So yeah, I think you're, you. Everyone has to. If it's if social media is making you feel a certain way and pulling you down, you mm. need to review your whole relationship and your I size. Use, I use my mute button all the time. If I don't like what I'm yeah, seeing, yeah. I mute it. Oh, every week, like every other weekend, I'm like unfollowing people. I mean, I, I don't really want like to say this, one. and it sounds oh, like Oh, we didn't interview Shiloh about
2: yes. her thirties. What's it like being on the other side of twenty?
3: Actually, guys, I was thinking about the fact that I'm going to be thirty-five. And then my French said, oh, and like, you know, we're on, we're near 40. And I was like, yeah, hold up, yeah. Man's just 35. I'm not 40. Yeah. I really need something. Wow. But for me, I was, you know, in like, you know, if we're talking about these benchmarks people have, right, I'm a late bloomer. I'm a late bloomer in terms of like, like a lot of people say, "Oh, but you had your kids early. You had your kids at what? How old was I now? You're like twenty-eight. That is not a late bloomer. No, no, yeah. So everyone says, "Oh, no, you're not a late bloomer. You had your kids early." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's like one segment of my life. But in terms of like actually understanding who I am, understanding my passions, actually normal. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, I don't classify myself as late. Mm. I'm on track." Yeah, exactly. relative to who I am and
2: my life yeah you know when I meet a woman sorry sorry no, you know no. when I meet a woman 35 onwards I'm like wow you must know so much yeah Like yeah. I'm like
1: wow like what do you know <laughs> I would just love for us all to like I mean society not like obviously not but like to reframe that and because I think, yeah, obviously, if you've reached a point of contentment in your own journey, you're comfortable with going at your own pace. You can look forward to those, like, different decades of your life. But if you're bogged down under, you know, multiple things that, you know, it's so understandable why you would be in the situation you're in. I've definitely been there. Not so much with social media, but definitely with other messaging around being in your 20s, right? That, like, mean, like, the marriage is one thing. Like, I've expressed that many times. Like, when I hit my mm. own 20s, it was, was like, marriage, marriage, marriage. And then it's been an anxiety attack from 20 to like where I am now you know it's all comes back to that conversation about mindfulness and enjoying every single moment and going at your own pace and being comfortable and your
2: own frameworks and like to be honest like I'm just at the
1: point where I'm like I don't care
2: if society catches up or not like this is my timeline this is what my expectations are from like and for anyone any of the listeners if you've questioned why you're not married do go listen to our two cents special all about marriage was that
3: American or Irish
1: um, my second overrated is um, originality from the perspective of imitating to get started on your hobbies okay it's a bit long-winded um I was just thinking about like again all of the hobbies that um I've tried to sell or the, all of the kind of like artistic things that I've tried to start um in lockdown period whereas like I usually wouldn't have like the time or the brain space to think about doing any of those things same with gardening like same with any kind of like Thing that i haven't really tried before i was just thinking about like what my mental blocks are because i got i got this clay kit and I was like glitching at the instructions i was like do i make this or do i make that and like how do i do it and how i didn't the-
2: even look at this <laughs> and
1: then, but this is what i'm saying like some people obviously just get stuck in and do their own thing right but obviously i have to think about things like a million times before i do them and um yeah i was just having a look on like instagram for some inspo and And then I was just thinking, wow, like, there's literally nothing that I could make that somebody else hasn't made before, right? Um, And it could be anything that I'm trying. And um, we all have, like, our own kind of views about originality, especially in the creative world. It is a very important conversation because artistic expression and um, originality and that kind of license – it should be respected. And I I believe there is an etiquette around it. And at the same time, I I, I don't believe in ownership to the extent that like, there is no collaboration to some degree.
2: Mm.
1: And I think like sometimes I think for me personally, um, and for anybody who this might resonate with like one of the mental blockers to starting hobbies has been like well how am i going to do this in a way that the end product is going to reflect me and i'm going to be like an originator right because like even if you can get over the hurdle of oh, okay i just learned i have to copy this person to learn how to do it um how am i going to eventually use that skill and transform it into like this piece of art right like i always imagine what an exhibition would look like at the end of like learning how to crochet or whatever and it and it just like put so much pressure on me and I definitely think okay it's a personality thing but I know I'm not the only one that struggles with it as well and so um I did just want to like it's a short but sweet one but I did just want to say that it's like a bit of an overrated I think imitation as a way to develop your own artistic expression or even not but just to enjoy your hobby and appreciate somebody else's ideas um, is a really valid really that's how
2: model. that's how I started drawing I just found stuff on Instagram and Pinterest and I just yeah. copied it yeah yeah and I was just like because yeah because I was like oh I don't I don't know what to draw I don't have an imagination but I wanted to do the thing of drawing mm-hmm. and then I looked on on I would literally like copy it like for like like Whatever was drawn there, I would try and draw that same thing. And for me, it was like, okay, this this must be helping me get technically better. And then for me, the next phase was like, okay, then eventually, Mm. because I've got the skill of the drawing, I can just draw whatever I want. But even even then, I'm like, that's not my strength. My strength is just doing the technical, but so I'm happy to keep copying.
1: Yeah, I mean, you enjoy it. But you
3: find that out through the copying. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah. I think what you were saying about the technical aspect of it is really helpful as well because my sister started copying pictures off of the internet with a pencil and she couldn't draw and by the end of it and I've seen this with like artist progression pics like they'll be like yeah. one year ago versus three years later yeah. one year later
3: Love it yeah. It's consistency um, We all seem to like it together Oh, did you say that pocket together um actually mine are quite um in line with what both of you have been talking about and just a disclaimer we don't discuss any of our underwriters or overwriters before we really come to the podcast that's actually there really have brave, been you know. there have been a t- couple of times where i have seen nafisa and sarah colluding in the office mm-hmm. and comparing notes. um but i definitely am an independent party so I, d- I don't know if they had a previous team call to discuss this before Right, should we move on? All good. Lowly, Lowly. Go on. Who's next?
1: Yeah,
3: you. Oh, is it? Why do I always get nervous? So my first overrated. It's really short. It's just a little bit of a rant. Um, you know, I don't really do rants, but it's uh, a little rant. <laughs> Meanwhile, little Instagram stories every day rant. <laughs> so this is this probably will go to the gram, but what's Overrated is not being on social media. Now I've got a little explanation disclaimer and disclaimer. You've experience. done
2: this one before, Shiloh. What am I gonna say? Uh,
3: you're about knowing about the world and it's not an excuse No, not, okay. no, 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 no. no. Um, so not being on social media. Now there is a caveat, um, especially and specifically if you are that same person. And I know that I'm gonna be adding some of my friends. That are listening. I do love you dearly. But... And some people that aren't my friends. And people who listen. And which I love you. Um, I always have to come a disclaimer. I can't say it with my chest like enough. Um, especially... <laughs> I'm, I love you really a lot. But the thing is... And I'm some like, of if you your get offended,
2: that's your fault, not mine. But
3: some of your behaviour is problematic. And I hope you're not offended. But yeah. Speci- especially and specifically. If you are the same person that asks social media users like us to do your promotion your marketing your research your dming somebody for a product Sounds
2: very personal
3: event or thing and i've seen other people and this this was more uh, prevalent in ramadan i noticed and i got quite exhausted from messages but the same people running the script on are not on social media because rah 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 I'm like so instead of you being on social media and promoting your product researching the thing marketing your product I have to be your social media admin assistant and promote your product market it sister there's not no one signed up to the event I'm like where have you shared it oh just in whatsapp at the moment yeah that's the problem this this is is how I know we live different lives because no one asked me that I'm 35 but but sis why do you think we're all on social media we're all not on social media because they're promoting the thing. We've all got either a business, a message, you know, something. We're not all there to just take these golden hour selfies. Like, we're not just all here to do OTDD or whatever it is, <laughs> a OTD. So, yeah, it's just overrated not being on social media, but then using other people to use it, which is quite odd. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, no, you can't scroll through my Twitter. Can you just get your own Twitter account? like You know, when he takes your phone. Um, but anyway, that was just a very quick one. Anyone have any feedback? I can't relate. It's my <coughs> feedback. I'll be honest.
2: Definitely. <coughs> I'm really like baffled by your overrated, to be honest.
3: I like to bring unique uh, angles and takes. So my next one, what is overrated is... Wait for it. Need to be, do a bit of a monologue here. But acquiring knowledge... So what I think is overrated is acquiring knowledge. Why isn't for laughing and smiling at me? My segments always come as a disclaimer. I should just call myself Disclaimer Selena because um, I don't really have the energy for people to drag me. Yeah, I've, I don't really have that draggage energy. But anyway, but we have to be aware and conscious that, you know, alhamdulillah, we exist in a time where access to knowledge, whether it be Islamic or not, um, you know, it might be knowledge in psychology, medical, health, you know, whatever it is, is wonderful, right? It's almost democratised. It's a democracy. Like, you know, so you you can see knowledge that is, I guess, uh, communicated by mainstream media or whatever it is. And you can actually independently, us three can go away and research it. We can access journals, reading material, you know, build our own picture of the world. And I think that is just absolutely wonderful. Right. Because, you know, there's this whole, you know, knowledge is power. If you have knowledge, then you can educate yourself. You can find out your own opinions. You don't have to just follow the mass opinion and all of that. And I think that's really wonderful. But it doesn't mean that we need to keep acquiring knowledge, keep reading, keep studying and reading and noting and reading. There comes a point where you actually need to apply that knowledge or you need to actually take a leap of faith and basically stop researching um I feel like I'm adding someone (laughs) stop researching very thematic it feels quite yeah um but there comes a point where you actually have to stop reading and just do it and this is like in reference to something that I was doing recently and I'm like how much can you read up about the topic or the course or whatever it is there comes a point where you just have to do it and Obviously, you know, Islamically, there is a big emphasis on um, ilm, on acquiring knowledge. Like, actually, it's very much encouraged before action. There comes a point where you need to apply and try the practical of all that theory, because sometimes it just will not flow like the book. Like, there are a thousand things that we may read. Like, you know, <clears throat> I was speaking to a mum and she like, oh, I've read this book about mothering. I've read this book about parenting. And literally, when she had the baby, she's like, yeah, all of those books were not helpful um like she said some of them were about hypnobirthing and this that but she's like the practical experience that you gain on the job actually like having a baby raising a baby the books cannot they just cannot fill that gap or kind of help you in that journey
2: so we say you're overrated is living in theory
3: perhaps and I feel like actually it's actually a very um Advanced way of procrastinating and playing yourself away from growth and success. And I've seen this like reoccurring theme where, and I think it might be something. It is. It's an advanced way. It is. It's level fifty because you're like, because I was speaking to a sister and she's like, oh, I'm not ready to write the article. I just need to research. I'm not ready to. And I'm seeing her tweeting like a madness out here. I'm like, now you're ready. You are an authority on this topic. um but it almost felt like she was uh, alhamdulillah I got the article um like a couple of months ago but it felt like a a very advanced way of procrastinating and playing like she was ready then and perhaps coupled with that is more around like self-confidence self-esteem but how much are you going to read before you're going to apply sister and obviously, like I said, in Islam, it just say knowledge comes before action and there can be no action without knowledge. And it's finding that sweet spot and that balance. But I definitely think, I think we're living in a time, like I said, we've got so much access to, to information that we can almost fool ourselves into thinking mm-hmm. we are growing when actually all we're doing is reading. Yeah. And, like I said, yes, we do need to acquire the knowledge, but it 's a balance it 's a balance of everything and <clears throat> even islamically we 're going to be held accountable for all of the knowledge that we acquire, like have we applied it have we and i 've actually got to points where i 'm like actually i'm i 'm not going to find out more information on this particular topic because I want to review it, mm-hmm. I want to go over it, I actually want to apply it yeah. um, and then I almost have a process like almost like module studies for myself. Um, um, so yeah,
2: that was, that was my, uh, underrated. I'm sorry to interrupt, Cut, you yeah, were sceptical yeah. and you brought it back.
1: Yeah, you did. I was Both just mine was... and Sarah's face was like, I think we've had <laughs> this. And the last, the last couple of points, I was like, it could veer off into like a whole different conversation. Shall I
3: say that again? Advanced wave procrastination. <laughs> so my first underrated, and we're just going to read it because I've got a bit of a monologue that I've typed up. Um... So my, next, my first underrated <laughs> is the detrimental or limiting nature and effect of labelling yourself, mm. okay? So the detrimental or limiting nature of labelling yourself, and I wrote in another way, the detrimental or limiting nature and effect of overly labelling and pigeonholing yourself Yeah, to a point of it becoming your belief system, okay? So let me elaborate on that. Um, we're all on a journey inshallah to understanding ourselves better right Mm. and on that journey it means perhaps we begin to describe ourselves you know they will say oh you've got to know yourself and all of this stuff and this I think is really good to be able to explain who you are your character your personality and so forth but I've noticed something even on like the journey of myself and self-exploration and all of that that it was further and it was further raised by a conversation that I had a, with a friend last week who said she was really concerned about someone. She, you know, she's doing a lot of reading around being an introvert and began to look through every decision through that lens only to the point where they're unable to see any other knowledge, anything like um, it's also trumping things like okay, so what's the Islamic etiquette on this? Mm. What's the I think me and Sarah have had a conversation like this mm. in the office before. Um, And I don't want to go into detail about the person, but we all label ourselves in various ways and we all tell ourselves these stories of ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. But like for, and this, uh, that aspect was triggered by something Nafisa said, it was an Instagram post you did about- I was going to say, those words sounded really familiar. Where you actually said, oh, I'm not that religious, but it was this thing you said, a story you told, a narrative you had, that may have applied before, but it perhaps doesn't apply now. Right. So I read um, it out
2: Yeah, go on then. Basically I was um it was the day before day Arafat and I basically put a story uh a Post that, and I said, I haven't always been practicing of my faith, and often the story I told myself held me back from living Islam day to day. I put myself low down on the religiosity spectrum, in inverted commas, and that meant I didn't see some acts and things like the Day of Arafah as for me. And I know that doesn't fully really make sense, but I know a lot of people will get what I mean. So if that feels like you, I want to tell you that tomorrow is the day of Arafa and it's for everyone, it's for everyone to find forgiveness and mercy of Allah. And it's not that I put myself higher up on a religiosity spectrum. Mm-hmm. It was just that that label of seeing myself as not religious was actually holding me back from ever developing that.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a story that you stopped telling yourself. The story has changed and the narrative has changed or a very different part of your journey on the road. So I think, you know, it's a couple of double points that I'm trying to get at. So, um we tell ourselves stories based on the number of variables which I get and I do myself, but what are the stories? Do they still apply? Have they expired? Do you need a new bio essentially? Um, the reality is that we also become so comfortable with those stories and labels and versions of ourselves. And that's the thing, like being comfortable with, with that, like, um, And we become scared almost to tell the new story of ourselves. It Mm. seems really hard. Like, you know, in my younger years, I was wild and reckless. And I think for a while, like, I kept that narrative going. Like, oh, I'm wild. Listen, I've got two kids. No one got time to be wild and reckless. Maybe in small, small doses in small, small areas. Like, put extra paprika in the tijine. But um, that that story doesn't apply. It was a a time in my life now. Um, And I would make... <clears throat> yeah it's a statement I would make like 10 years ago yeah. um, and I think sometimes it's looking at when you need to ditch certain narratives and certain things so sometimes I think we can almost centre our labels centre on our labels so much so Um that is detrimental to our development mm-hmm. and you all, all almost like clip your wings and like well I can only go this far this far this far because this is the personality type I am this is the person that I am mm-hmm. um but actually yeah. like free yourself from some of those labels and we've seen even, even things like oh I'm time poor like I don't have time like that's the story we tell ourselves mm-hmm. exactly um, and actually, we've seen this manifest with Muslim women in some way, where we're labelled as oppressed, right? We're labelled as being oppressed. So what did we all do? Break free from the stereotype. Break free from the stereotype. And that seemed to be like... yeah, a presum- on the magazine covers. But that also pigeonholed ourselves, right? And I feel like so ancient, even saying like break stereotypes. But it also, we were just responding to this, okay, I'm not oppressed. So this is, but it also made us all go in one direction. (laughs) Like We all were like, okay, let's show you the world. I'm flying to the moon and I'm a Muslim woman. And I'm not, you know, I think that is a massive achievement, mashallah. But what I'm saying, it makes us respond in a very, um, specific way and that options actually become quite limited once we label. Yeah. Um so what I'm saying is how you label yourself will affect how you behave. Yeah, um, and I just true. want to read um, an excerpt from an article where it says labels are messy when you believe you can't change because of a label you've been ascribed or given yourself you start to cement the assumption that you can't do certain things life becomes much more uh, stressful when you're trying to negotiate your way through by avoiding tasks you can't do or you set your mind up to be like well I can't do that mm. And am thinking about people's personalities and like I'm gonna you know even like from a health perspective, or because my health may not be at a certain point, I might not even book a certain holiday that has lots of walking and hiking. I can't see beautiful mm. scenery. Like mm. apply that anal- analogy how you want for your life, and thinking about people's personalities and skill sets in a less less fixed way stops you from being an essentialist. When you deny people and yourself the privilege to change and move in a different direction, you're denying a sense of what makes us human labels and i found this a lot with mental health talk like we we become their person of course you know i think it's really good we have all this language like yes i i have experienced depression but it doesn't mean i'm a depressed person it, you know i've i've gone through these states um labels take on an all or nothing meaning someone mm. either is something or they're not it's our brain making irrational shortcuts. Think back to your high school days. At the first moment, everyone walks into the school. They're being judged, labelled, put on a box. It's very difficult to change. And most people have that label till the day they leave. You know, we all got had these like different um, personalities. And you see it in kids' books, like, Sporty Sandra and all of these. But, but is Sandra always sporty? Do you know what I mean? Like, School isn't the world. But it's difficult to prove that to a teenager. imagine everyone... Um, had kept those labels. Like, imagine you, I, I kept the the label of wild or reckless. Like, people would be very. Con- I'd be confusing myself, and maybe I'd want to perpetuate. oh Well, I need to be wild and reckless for the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. So, a study of high school has found that if we believed people's personalities had the ability to change, they were less stressed and not as prone to underachievement and health issues. Believing that people can change and labels aren't absolute is incredibly important in our formative years. Um, the person actually asked a couple of people about topic, and these were the responses. <coughs> I appreciate labels as they allow me to assess my strengths. I am what I am, no labels, ne- labels needed. Good and positive labels that we are and that we attain towards, I think, are rewarding. We are constantly evolving. We may outgrow the labels as soon as we've earned it. If my label if I label myself a superhero, then the sky's the limit all right um, I never like labels they put you in a box where news creates a kind of bias in yourself um, labels help us find our soul people that's actually quite nice um, that's when really you label- the
2: key it creates a bias within yourself mm-hmm. and sometimes that bias then negatively impacts you yeah
3: definitely. yeah this one which I think uh, tallies back to the example I gave about Muslim women being stereotyped. Um, as being oppressed. When you label me, you negate me. When you label me, you negate me. Um, next is when we label anything we think we know what it is and we close our view off. Actually, it makes you actually quite close-minded for better or worse. And that includes people. Um, so yeah, every de- definition contains limitations, but they are still important when navigating a world full of duality. And I would say the tip is, I think we actually have to look more ourselves at ourselves as like, a spectrum of what are our strengths that we perhaps want to improve or areas that we need to change or improve on. And I think that's a better way to look um at yourself as opposed to like trying to apply labels and do a thousand million personality tests and all of this stuff. Just sit and observe for yourself and listen to that inner voice more.
2: I really enjoyed that episode guys.
1: So did I thanks. Thank you for this episode. Thank you to everybody who listened. Um, if you have your own two cents that you want to pitch to us, make sure you hit our, um, the link in our bio and click on our type form. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum. Live your life.
2: Live your best Amalia life. Amalia forward slash
1: support. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. You'll
2: live on your own terms.
3: See you. I have balance, isn't it? Please Allah. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Bye.